our New Testament scripture reading is coming from, um, as we're going to enter into our conversation today, we're going to talk about, you know, this this scandal, if you will, that happened between the, the younger son and the older son and the father in this story of the prodigal son. And our scripture reading today is coming from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, also verses 11 through 13. And it reads like this. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, forgive me. Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided the property between them. And a few days later, the younger man, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. And he would have gladly filled himself with the pods and the pigs were eating and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? And here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. And while he was still afar off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And he ran and put his arms around him and he kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring me a robe, but the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He is lost and he is found and they began to celebrate. Now his, old, now his elder son was in the field and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the slaves and asked them, what is going on? And he replied, your brother has come. Your father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound. And then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years, I've been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet. You have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. And so when his son, when the son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that I have is all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and he came to life. He was lost and he has been found. Thank God for his word today coming from Luke chapter 15, the first three verses and also verses 11 through 32. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. 
Bertinho, what a story. Now, you know, goodness well, <laughs> today, um, there, just like there was problems with the story, um, reading it from the, the biblical text, if this was to happen uh, among any of our family members today, it would definitely pose a problem. Correct? Indeed. Right? Yes. But this story of the prodigal son is uh, is about a story of reconciliation in the New Testament. It is a story of a father who has two sons, as the text has said, and the younger son asks for an inheritance while his father is still alive, which was an insult culturally to his father at this time. But yet the father grants it and the prodigal son blows it all on wine and women and song. And he winds up bankrupt, hungry and feeding slop to pigs. And when the slop begins to look appetizing, he decides to return to his father. And for he reasons, it would be better to be a servant in my father's house than to be here. But when the son came back to his, to his right mind after after leaving his father's house and realizing what he truly had, if you will, the father, when he came back, his father saw him afar off. And I found this text to be very interesting because I don't know much about farming, but what I see about it on TV is that if you, Tanya, help me out here. If you are somewhere on the farm working, right? Mm. There is a, uh, 10 times out of 10, you're going to get dirty somehow. Correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. And, you you know, for because you're working all day out there, you know, on the farm. And then there comes a time when after you have finished working, you go back to your, your home and you clean yourself up. But if this son left from the pig pen and ran and came to his senses and then ran to his father's house dirty... What amazes me about the story is that the father saw the son in his filth and still recognized him. Mm. Mm. He still recognizes him. And not, he, he for, forget from about- From afar off. Right, from afar off, right? Okay. Now, not only is it afar off and you recognize him in his filth, but he when he- when he is in proximity of a son, he immediately braces his son and he kisses his son, right? Like yep. nothing ever happened, right? The, the father recognizes his son, yes. Um, and after the, the son's apology, right? Now, remember, in this moment, it's just the father and the, son, uh, the younger son, the prodigal son, if you will, right? So mm -hmm. the son, the prodigal son, he apologizes, and the loving father orders his servants at that point to clothe his son with the best robe. Now, in this, right, from going from kissing and embracing, the father calls his, his servants, his, his slaves to come and embrace him with the best robe. And still, right, the son has not been cleansed and puts a ring on his finger, right, and mm -hmm. sandals on his feet in his filthy condition. What mm. does that say about this father? <laughs> <laughs> well, right? I mean, what it tells us, yeah, what it tells us is that in, in the midst of our mess and our filthiness, that God welcomes us with open arms. Many times we people say, well, you know, when I do this, I get myself together. I'm going to go to church. 
right? When I get to this point, I'm going to go um, seek God. I'm going to learn about just Jesus once I get myself all, all together. No. If you look at right here, Jesus, right? If you look at the Father as, as God, he welcomed him right where he was. He met him right where he was in all his filth, even after uh, prostituting himself. He loved him. Right, right, right. And that's he the key word. Loved, loved him and had compassion. His, right, loved him in his filth. Right. Yes. And like you were saying, so many of us, when we, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit draws us to the Father and we'd be like, we know within ourselves that we are undeserving to go and have this loving God to receive us just as we are. So like you said, we make these excuses, you know, you know, I'm, I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop drinking. You know, when I, when I stop, when I clean myself up, but if you look at this text, nowhere in here does the son have an opportunity to cleanse himself without the father, just keep lavishly providing gifts and restoration and reconciliation, right? The, the father's love supersedes the son's filth. Think about that. Think about that. In our relationships that we have with one another. Yeah. Right. And I mean, we're, we're human. We're going to make mistakes. We hurt each other. Reconciliation could be so much easier and would come if we, well, if they do this, then, you know, um, I'll start, I'll start talking to them again. You know, they, they, they have to apologize to me first. You know, sometimes you got to be the, um, the bigger person. Somebody got to be the bigger person to start the reconciliation process unconditionally willing to go back into a relationship with the person they that may have done you wrong. Not saying you got to be a doormat, anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But um, sometimes God opens doors for us to reconcile with certain people and family members and different things like that. And he's just saying, love them. Right. Because we don't know what people are going through. Love them. Right. We don't know what they just came out of, what mess they just came out of. Love them instead of judging, right? Yes, reconcilia reconciliation happens while we're still in our mess. And that's the thing. And that is like major. I mean, this text really just puts a new perspective on relationships, not only as individually, but as Christians. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, let's just take of some, think of some of our our fallen brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not going to name their names, but just think about them, right? How did we treat them? It definitely wasn't. We loved them in their messiness. We definitely did not restore them back to their, their status, their position of where they were uh, when they left. We don't do that. We, well, we judge and we condemn and we belittle and we, and then 
We have the audacity, like the Pharisees, to make you think because you did not dot every I and cross every T, you're no longer worthy to be a part of this Christian tribe. Yeah, I mean, come on, let's be real. We don't treat people the way that God treats us in the midst of our stuff. In the midst of our mess, he continues to love us, right? Continues to have compassion on us and try to lead us. Somebody do something to us, we're going to cut them off. Right. Be gone. I don't have anything to say to you. I'm okay. mad. Thank you. Appreciate this. Listen, now let's talk about this older son for a moment. And then we're going to come back to the father. Okay. Now mm -hmm. the older son during all this time, it appears in the text, okay, that he has been working. He's clueless as to what's going on. Mm -hmm. It is just when he, he, he hears the music and the dancing, then he calls one of his father's servants over and says, Hey, what's going on now? That's when he becomes indignant. Okay. Because mm -hmm. he's like, listen, dad, I have modeled the good son for you. I have obeyed your commands. I've I, I've done everything that you and you and you have not even you have not even appreciated me in all of this. Okay, you have not given me the the gift of the the goat. You have not given me the gift of dance and song, and yet this son of yours, Ooh, right? Son of yours. That's what the father called him. This son of mine, and he just you know you know how we do. <laughs> that's your brother. That's your right. sister. That's right. <laughs> That son of yours, uh, you know, he he comes back filthy, messy. And what do you do? First of all, you see him. You see him in his mess. Okay. And he he gives this lame apology, Dad. I'm so sorry. You know, come on, let's take it from the older brother's perspective. Really, that's that's pitiful. That's that you know, you're a softy, Dad. Uh, and you know, he's manipulating you. Why why are you accepting his apology? I'm the better son. How come you haven't looked at me? Don't we do it? Don't we do it in the church? Don't we do it among ourselves? You do it in it's the church. It's all about me. How come you haven't seen me? You know, in our family I, systems, we do it. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Look at uh, the world in which we live in. The the great divide. That's what I call it. The great divide in which we are living in. You know, mm. you don't recognize me. You know. It, it is me who's holding our municipalities together. It's it's me. Um, we were in a pandemic. You were working at home. It was me who was at the office every single day, you know, while you were struggling with your COVID and your families and all. It was me who held it down. Mm. In the church, you know, it was the faithful five, the faithful eight, faithful ten. We were the ones who held it down. And then you want to come back and you have the audacity to complain? Same on you. I want to be celebrated, yeah. you know? Yeah. I want to be recognized. So what begs the question, then, why, why do you do what you do if you're looking for accolades? Basically, right, if you listen to what he said in his actions... Why did he do what he did? The father said, you, you've you been here with me. You, Everything that I have is yours. Right? And that's what God is, is telling us today. Everything I have is yours. The earth and everything that is in it 
is yours. You don't have to go out and and um be pimping nobody. That's the I'm sorry, that's the words that came to my mouth. You don't have to be pimping nobody to get something, to have something. The the earth is mine. And God wants to share with us what he has. That's but, Go ahead. The, but the question again is, we do these things. Why do we do them and then get mad because our name wasn't mentioned? Or um, we didn't get the party. I didn't get a robe. I've been doing all this. You gave him a robe. Why you ain't give me no robe? Right? If you do something out the the genuine kindness of your heart, because you genuinely, you know, you have love and compassion for people, God sees, he sees everything that we do. You know, think about Cain and Abel. Same thing, wasn't it? Yeah, but you know, again, <coughs> um, again, the the issue is that you know uh, Abel was recognized by God because of his gift, and Cain was not, and he became angry because God kept accepting Abel's gift because why it was given from his heart, and not just because you know, oh, okay, I'm going to go out here and gather some fruit. Here you go, God. So the question is, for all of you that are out there, uh, don't forget to put in your comments, your questions, concerns at this point. What are your thoughts about the, the two sons? Which of these three do you feel you identify with? Do you feel like you identify with the prodigal son? Do you feel like you identify with the father? Or do you feel like you identify with the older brother? And if you'd like to go even a little further, why? That is one of our questions. And another thing, let's go to our third point, the father. The father was, he, he loved the prodigal son just as much as he loved the older son. Mm-hmm. And he was the, the reconciler in this particular situation, if you will. Because at the end of the text, he says, this brother of yours, he wanted him to identify um, with the with the, the prodigal son, be like you know this could have been you, my son as well, you know. And I would have did the same thing if the roles were reversed. I would have did the same thing. And that the father was patient. He was loving. He was gracious. And not only he was grace, he's grace upon grace because he did he superseded what he was supposed to do even culturally because. When we look at it, this prodigal son really put his father to death by asking for his inheritance before um, his father's time and knowing that the inheritance would go to his uh, older brother. And, you know, in some situations, um, his older, um, younger brother wouldn't receive anything. I think about living my whole life as a Christian. Thank you, Shannon, for this comment and ending up with some um, places as someone who says the sinner's prayer on their deathbed. Not the best attitude, I know, but there's some jealousy there. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, no, I understand. And you know what? Let me share the story. My aunt, (laughs) uh, she was a a hellraiser all her life. 
Okay. She, she was brought up in a Christian home. Um, my mother and my aunt um, grew up together um, in the South and, um, you know, uh, even my great aunt, great aunt said to them, I want you to, she told my mother, I want you to, to go where your, your aunt is. And my aunt was a hellraiser all her life, but you know what? Something happened. She saw something on her deathbed. Okay. She, she, as much as the family prayed for her to receive Christ as her savior, she just refused. But something happened when she was a moment of leaving this earth. I don't know but she got the center prayer in <laughs> and I just have to believe that just as me, you know, receiving Christ when I did and her receiving Christ moments before her life was taken from this earth, that one day I'm going to see her in glory. I know it, it's, it's not the best attitude, but there's also a parable about this as well. <laughs> you know, the same hours that I work and somebody just coming in and they work in, uh, you know, less than me, but yet still receiving Christ as their savior. The important thing is we're all going to see one another in glory. And while we are here, uh, Reverend Tiang and I, uh, and others, we have to work while it's day because the night cometh and no man can work. And we have a great responsibility. Number one, to check our attitudes. Number two, are we extending grace to people around us or are we judging? Are we condemning? Okay. Are we always compartmentalizing people, you know, keeping them, keeping them stuck in prisons mm. right where they are. They can't move forward and they can never be reconciled because of their past. And that's another thing about this uh, older brother as well. He incarcerated his brother, you know, he kept him right where he was. You know, I remember when you was here, your past was you're the younger brother and your future is you will always be messy. <laughs> you came into this family messy. You're going to leave this family messy. He, he never gave him an opportunity of grace and grace are bumpers. Have you ever had to rode the bumper cars? What happens when you get too close to another car? Boom. You hit them and then you bounce back. He never gave his brother an opportunity to bounce back. Reverend Tain, speak mm. to us. Yeah, good analogy. Bumper cars. I like that. I mm -hmm. like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with with what you said. I mean, as a parent, unconditional love is what I would say most parents strive for is to love your children unconditionally um, so that they can grow and be good people that, that give back and show love and compassion to other persons. You know, that's, that's always number one. That's, that's, I think that's one of the hope most parents have for their, their children, plus our other list of things. But, um, when we uh, put conditions on people based off of what they've done or, or what we think they should do or shouldn't do, yes, 
agree. Um, we hold them hostage. We hold them in, in bondage. Um, and that's not fair. That's not fair. Because every day God extends his grace to us. And I know we we all got some mess in our life. We messy. Right? Right. Um, so I, I would say, um, you know, you asked a question. In some aspects, I think I can relate to all, all three. The, the prodigal son, the older son, and the father. At, at some time in this cycle of, of life, I've identified with each one of them. And, you know, I just, I thank God for, for, um, for loving me, even when I didn't love myself, you know, he, he still loved me. And so I, I try very hard to love others. Right. That's all I got for you, Rev. Right. And, you know, the important thing is that as we are journeying through this Lenten season and we know that Jesus is about to go to the cross, Jesus knew he put himself in the position of the prodigal son. He put himself as the loving father. He put himself as the elder son. Why? Because going to the cross, when you look at before he gave up the ghost, hung his head and died. He was aware of everything that was going on around him. He cared. He cared about the thief. He cared about his mother. He cared about John. He cared about all of them. And at that point, he wanted to make sure that everything was in place so that we as his beloved wouldn't have to worry about nothing. And that is the, the wonderful thing about the story. God's grace upon grace. Given us more than what we deserve. Hmm. Reverend Tanya, any last words, final comments before we close out? Uh, no, I think you, you've covered it. You thank know, you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you, Reverend Tanya. You know, whether you want to put your faith in Jesus for the first time or renew your commitment there's an invitation for you found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28. And it says like this, Jesus' very words, come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and um, I will give you rest. God loves you and wants to have a fresh start with you, and we will be honored to pray with you. Uh, we do have a link here that you can click on, 716emc.org backslash prayer dash requests. Amen.